0: Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's word, and I pray that his Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that he gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Good morning church. It's still morning. We got like seven more minutes before noon. So I'm going to get that in before we get started. Good morning. Uh, Obviously, I'm not Pastor Daniel. Your eyes are not deceiving you. He did not go to the beach and get a tan and become just look good with a good haircut. No, this is me. Uh, My name is Chris and I have the honor to bring the word today and if we have not met I'm excited to meet you after service and I'm married to the amazing Kayla Martinez which you will see um, at the end of service she's going to come up here but it's going to be an incredible Sunday. Uh, we've celebrated a few amazing things the last few weeks. Easter, right? Priscilla was declaring that he has risen. Incredible exhortation there. I just want to shout out Priscilla because when we started C20, she uh, has grown so much from that moment. Six years ago, she would have not have been able to do that. She would not be able to publicly declare it out loud in faith what Jesus was done in her heart has been incredible. So can we give Priscilla a hand? She's leading us in worship. She's bringing the glory from heaven. Come on. Last week, uh, we celebrated Transformation Sunday. We had eight people baptized, eight church family members (laughs) baptized, celebrating Jesus, declaring Jesus publicly to those around them. And uh, today, uh, we are doing something that we got to call Youth Takeover. Everybody say Youth Takeover. This is something I know y'all probably don't know what it means. This is where our youth students are serving all around the campus. We have some in kids first service, some serving right now, some with the parking team, with ushers. Um, I believe those a couple with the media team. But we believe here at Grace Avenue that we're building together. And we're not doing this so that we can pass on to the next generation and be like, hey, you figure it out, right? We're doing it so they can come alongside of us and they can understand how to build God's kingdom. They can understand how to build the house and how to serve the house and how to stay in community. You know, when we were growing up, there was a couple of ways you learn how to swim, right? You either went to lessons or you were tossed, right? <laughs> and we believe that when it comes to serving, when it comes to following Jesus, we're to train those up. Then We're not just to toss them and to figure it out so they can flounder and we can post it on Instagram later. We're here to raise up the next generation of faith. And tonight we have a youth night. It's called Avenue X Night starts at 530. And if you have a student that's in middle school or in high school, we would encourage them to be there. It's going to be incredible. I think we're playing dodgeball. So I watched the movie about 10 times this week. I'm ready to go. I got my Ben Stiller in me. I'm ready to have some fun with dodgeball. We got Raising Cane's tonight. It's going to be a good time. But I truly believe we're in the best season in Grace Avenue history. Like never before have I seen this. I've been here now going on 11 years, and it's just been incredible to see what God's done this year. The Holy Spirit moving like never before, God moving like never before, faith forward as a body of believers like we've never had before, and I'm praying that this season would only get better, and God is up to something big for our church, amen? It's going to be good. It's such an honor to be a word today. Can we give it up for Pastor Daniel and Janelle, our incredible pastors, show them some love? There's no other house I'd rather be a son at than Grace Avenue. There's no place I'd rather serve on a Sunday. There's no place I'd rather reach our city through than this church right here. And I know you all braved the storms and the winds and the rains, and you're here doing the same thing. And I love that about our church. And the last people I want to honor is my incredible parents, the sitting front row here today. Joe and Melissa, my brother, my younger brother. Um, they're, they're getting a chance to see something for the first time, but it's something that they saw in the works years ago. And when I was in high school, I remember them excited about me on this journey following God. And I remember them saying, we think you should preach the gospel. And I was like, well, I just want to go to college for now. Let me just go to college. Let me learn some stuff. Let me get a business degree. And then we'll go from there. And now, look, where I am I love you guys and thank you for raising me to be the man of God that I am your example dad I know if you heard me preach in November I talked about my dad's example in the community and the reputation he built that it preceded me everywhere that I went even to the place like the Alamo Dome thousands of people and they recognized me as our son that says two things our genes are crazy strong and that his (laughs) reputation is incredible with the community so I love you dad thank you for everything you did in my life So before we jump into the word today, I want to pray, and we believe that the word of God in Grace Avenue is active and is alive. It is not just a book that we read, it is not just words on a page, it is scripture for us to be inspired by, scripture to challenge us with, and by way of the Holy Spirit is transforming lives. And so as we pray today, I want to make sure that we're ready, that we have an expectant heart that we're ready to receive this. So, God, we just thank you for today, the opportunity to gather and to celebrate that you are risen, to celebrate your, your love and your glory, God. We know that that's not possible around the world, God, in different places. And we pray that we respect that. We pray that we honor that. We pray that we do not waste that. And, God, I pray that as we dive into the word that our hearts are receptive that our minds are focused, God, that we put away distractions, and that we begin to become note takers, God, of Your Word, to begin to study Your Word, and I pray that as we dive deep into today, that there's a fresh revelation for each of us to get. There's a fresh revelation that You are speaking to each of us, and God, I pray that we're ready to receive it. That our soil of our hearts and our minds are ready to receive it, and that we're able to water it throughout the week. That You're able to water it throughout the week, God, and bring out the fruit that You have called us to bear in this life as disciples in Jesus. Name name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to jump into the word today, and we're going to jump into a passage, an episode of the Bible, if you will. You've probably read it before. You've probably seen it before. This is something you've probably read in, but it's a, it's a, it's a story about the disciples and Jesus. You're like, well, yeah, I could have thought of that. Yep. We're going to dive into something like that. We're going to, you've probably heard it. You've probably read it before. But I believe God's bringing it to the table today for you to receive something different. For you to receive what's something for you in this season. It's in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. And this story is Jesus walking on water. It's Peter walking on water. And I believe God has something for us today. So in verse 22, immediately after... If you're wondering what that is after, it's after feeding the 5,000. Jesus and the disciples have fed the 5,000. Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross over to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills to pray by himself. When night fell, he was there alone. Verse 24, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, and strong winds had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and Jesus came walking toward them, walking on water. Incredible. When the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified. I would be too. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. I said that too at 2 a.m. when our lime goes off accidentally. I'm like, oh, it's a ghost. It's something's in here. Jesus, protect us. <laughs> in verse 27, Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Jesus responds and says, yes, come. So Peter went over to the side of the boat, walked on water towards, water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And the disciples worshiped him. You are really the son of God. I love that last part because it's the first time the disciples publicly acknowledge that Jesus is the son of God. The enemy has already done that a few chapters before. There's been Pharisees and Sadducees and uh, prophets that have questioned if Jesus is the son of God. And this is the first time the disciples get to publicly declare it. And I think that's important for us to realize and, and walk away with. But as we dive into this story, there's a couple of things that I want to pull out of it. I want us to just pull out of the text here and, and break it down a little bit. And the first thing is this. When Peter says, Lord, is it you? Lord, is it you? I don't know about you, but I've been in the season of fear and doubt before, and I've been in the storm, and you can't make out Jesus in the storm. It's just a figure there. You're just hoping that he, you can see him. You begin to question God. You begin to see, is this God or is this just my mind playing tricks? I, I'm dealing with so much right now in this season. Lord, is this you? The last three years during the pandemic, when we all became teachers, right? Lord, is this you? Are you going to help me through this? The last three years, of we're wondering if we're going to have to change careers or change jobs or shift to one place, move to a new place, Lord, is it you? You begin to question if God even sees you in the storm. Can he even make me out? Does Jesus even know who I am? Am I even a child of God? There's all these fears and doubts that begin to creep into your mind. And I believe that Peter was living from this place. Lord, is this you? He's like half fear, half faith, right? Like, uh, Lord, is that you? And he begins to cry that out. So if we were to put a day of the week to this, this is Friday. This is after a long week, hard work, exhausted, eight to five, checking in, checking out, meetings, lunches, deadlines, pressures. We're at ends meet and you feel like you cannot continue forward. You begin to wonder in the storm, Jesus, is that really you? Jesus, are you there with me? Are you, can you see me? Can I see you? So that's where, that's where Peter was in his state of mind. What I love about Jesus' response is that it's direct. It's simple. He doesn't make it complicated. I don't know if you've already realized, but I like to talk, and I like to expand stories, and I like to share a lot. And one simple thing, a question that you ask me it may end up being an hour conversation. If I call you on my way home from work, you probably know that already. I'm going to talk to you until I get home, and then I'll be like, hey, I'm home, bye, see ya. But I like to talk. One of the things I had to understand in my marriage is that my wife is very clear in her direction, very clear in her her communication, which is an amazing thing. She says exactly what she means quickly, and it's to the point. And I love that Jesus says this because I believe as believers, as disciples, that's what Jesus is asking us. He's not asking us to give us fluff. He's not telling us fluff before he gets to the point. He's telling Jesus, I mean, he's telling Peter here, yes, it's me, come. And what is he telling Peter? He's telling Peter Peter to have faith forward trust. He's telling Peter Peter to have faith. He's telling Peter, even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of the chaos, trust me, it's me. There was not like, I'm going to let you figure this out. Five seconds goes by, then, yeah, it's me, bro. I'm playing with you. Yeah, it's me. You know, he doesn't do that. He just says, yes, it's me. Come. And Peter's experience is storms. I find this so interesting as I was studying for this this week. This wasn't the first time Peter was on the boat. If you remember, Peter is a fisherman. Peter is on the boat when he meets Jesus for the first time. He has gone out to sea, and he has not been able to catch any fish, and he's frustrated. He's ready to mail it in. He's ready to call it a day. He's like, I'm done. I can't catch any fish. There's no fish in here. Jesus says, hey, let's go out again. He's like, no, bro, I, I haven't, can't catch anything. It doesn't make sense. I'm staying. I'm going home. And Jesus says, we're going to go out one more time. And that's where Jesus begins to tell him, I'm going to make you a fisher of man. I'm going to make you a fisherman. Why is that important? It's important because the, and, the, and the Bible, as we read this, the Bible is not written to us. It's written for us. Let that sink in. I know I just blew your mind. The Bible is not written to us. It's written for us. And so context is important, what the story is, where it is, location, who it's written to. And so the first time Peter meets Jesus, he's, he's in the boat. And so the water, the storms, it's all familiar. He's probably been out in thousands of storms. He's probably fish trying to or trying to catch fish, trying to provide for himself, trying to build his business. But even in something that sounds so familiar, Jesus is calling us to go deeper. In Peter's life, this was his day to day. This is what he knew the ropes. He knew what to do. But Jesus is calling him to go deeper. He's calling him to go further. He's calling him to take a step of faith. He's calling us to move from doubt to faith and trust him. He's calling us to have faith forward. That's what he's telling Peter. He's calling us to trust that all the things that work will work together for the good of those who love him, even despite what we see in the natural and our storms. He's calling us to trust that God is for me and who can be against me, like we just got done declaring. He's calling us for faith forward trust, even though we don't know the ending. Faith forward trust, even though we don't have steps two, three, four, and five figured out. He wants us to take a step and make that step, that off the boat, like Peter did. That's what he's calling us to. So what do you need to take a step of faith in today? What in your life is Jesus saying to you, yes, it's me, come? What is he telling you to take that step at in your life? If we had to put a day of the week to this part of the story, this is Sunday. This is the part where we hear Pastor Daniel's message, and we're on fire, and we're ready to take on the world. We're ready to take on the week, and we're telling everybody on social media, you better get ready for me. You ain't ready for me. I'm ready. I'm I'm coming. I'm coming for you. And we're posting it, and we're telling our friends about the steps we're going to take in faith, and we're asking for prayer. But then Monday hits, right? And that coffee line is too long, and you're running late, so you can't get your coffee. And then the winds and the waves hit in the story, the strong winds and the waves. And Peter focuses on the natural. He focuses on the circumstances, the reality. And why? Because he's had experience with the storms. He's been in this place. He knows what storms do. He, know the da- he knows the danger of which the situation they're in, it could cause. He knows the impact that they have. He's probably seen other boats crushed. He's probably seen other fishermen die because of the circumstances that they find themselves in. He finds himself in this story and in this situation. And I don't know about you, but I can identify with this. I can identify that when I'm driving on in the middle of a rainstorm and you see the lightning strike, we all look at it, Right? And then you, 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 you swerve a little bit, and your wife is like, and you're like, no, oh, it's okay. It's okay, babe. I got you. We, Jesus got us, take the will. But we begin to see this in our lives. When the storms of life come, we begin to look to that. When COVID hit, what did we all do? We ran to the news. We ran to Twitter. What is it? What's going on? What's happening? And In a world full of loud noises and distractions that we are filled with, God is calling us to focus on him. God's calling us to look to him. And this is, this is what it looks like in our life. It's your Instagram notification saying somebody commented on your photo. It's the NBA playoff score that pops up on my phone that I'm waiting for because I'm in the middle of dinner and I can't watch the game and I'm ready to see who's going to go the next round. That distraction instead of spending time with the person in front of me. This is the new show that everybody's talking about that you can't wait to watch. This is the natural things that we're battling with in this world. And the reality is, is our world is so full of distractions, so full of chaos, so full of noise, that it takes discipline to focus. It takes discipline to turn that phone upside down instead of face up. It takes discipline for me to turn my Apple Watch onto theater mode so I don't get a Nike notification about the new shoes that just dropped, so I buy them while I'm up on stage. It takes (laughs) discipline to do that. It takes strength to focus, uh, to remain focused on Jesus in the storm. But once Jesus took his eyes off, he began to sink. So what is God telling us today? God's telling us today to be disciplined as disciples, to be disciplined as followers of believers, to amidst the chaos, amidst the struggle, amidst the the question marks on your job or your marriage or your kids, to focus on him, to not worry about everything that's happening, to focus on him and continue walking on water. And once Peter takes his eyes off, what happens next? He screams, Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. I don't know if you've been there, but I've been there. And this is us on Wednesday, God. You better save me or you better save them because one of us ain't going to make it to Friday. Right? (laughs) You better save me. Save me, Lord. I've cried this out so many times. There's so many times that we want Jesus to pull us out of something that he wants us to grow us through. There's so many times that we cry out and Jesus is trying to teach us something. That we want the easy way out. The question I have for you is, who are you crying to? Who are you crying out to? What do you cry out to? And what is your escape? When the anger fills you during traffic, who do you cry out to? When life consumes us, who are you calling to vent to? When comparison happens through Instagram and you see where somebody else is or what somebody else is wearing, what does your identity fall in that moment? What do you focus on? Who do you cry out to? When you're beginning to drown in the storm, who do you reach out to? Do you reach out to that ex-boyfriend, that ex-girlfriend? Yep, I have. Dumb idea. Don't do it. (laughs) They're not going to give you the greatest advice. But we run to familiarity. We run to a comfortable place. Because we know that they're going to affirm our feelings, and we know that they're going to be down for whatever. We all have those friends, right? We all have them. Men, when the weight of providing begins to creep in, what do you run to? Are you willing to cry out to Jesus in that moment? Or are you just willing to hit up the boys and say, hey, I'll meet you at the bar at five? What are you crying out to when the way of the world is falling on you? And as followers of Jesus, crying out to Jesus should be our first response. It should be the response in the storm. When we feel the world is beginning to crush us, Jesus is who we should be running to. Not our phone, not Netflix, not the next series, not the game, not anything else. Jesus is the one that's going to fill us. Jesus is the one that's going to save us. Jesus is the one that's going to sustain us beyond that moment. Not just an empty void of running whatever is around us. And here's the good news if we do this. Let's look at Jesus' response to Peter as he cried out to him. Save me, Lord, Peter said. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You know, as parents, and you see kids thrown in water, and sometimes they'll be like, hey, they'll figure it out, right? They'll make it. We'll see if they make it. Jesus didn't do that with Peter. Jesus immediately reached out and picked him up. He didn't say, I'll give him a minute. He needed this lesson. Let me let let him learn. He'll learn. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And if we cry out to God, he will reach out his hand immediately. There's no question about it. There's no hesitation in this response from Jesus. And this is the good news is that we can only find our hope in Jesus, and he will reach out when we feel like we're drowning. When we feel like we're drowning in our job, we feel like we're drowning in our marriage, we feel like we're drowning with our, trying to raise our kids, Jesus is who we need to be reaching out to. Jesus is the one who's going to pull us out of that. Jesus is the one that's going to get us from that place to the next. The question is, are we willing to grab on to Jesus' hand when he reaches out? Are you willing to reach out and grab Jesus' hand when he reaches out? Because Peter had a choice. He was probably closer to the disciples in the boat than he was to Jesus. He could have cried out to his bros, save me, man. Help me out. Help a brother out. I'm about to die. No, he cried out to Jesus, and Jesus began to lift him up, and he grabbed Jesus' hand, and he's alive now. He begins to see that. So who are you reaching out to, and are you willing to grab on to Jesus' hand? I love Scripture. I love the Bible. When the Bible becomes alive to you, it hits different. It hits you different stories that we begin to read, become alive, and, and I immediately identified with Peter's doubt and with Peter's fears. And I recall that this wasn't the first time the disciples experienced this. If you remember that they were on a boat in a similar situation, and actually this takes place before the story we just read. They were caught in the storm, and it's in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. This sounds familiar. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake and waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Jesus was in the boat with them in this story. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us. Similar response, we're going to drown. And Jesus' response at this time, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. See, this wasn't the first time that they were in this situation. This wasn't the first time that they had experienced this. But the difference between Matthew 8 and 14 is that Peter is the only one that began to shift from fear to faith. The shift that happened in these chapters is they be, Jesus is preaching parables. Jesus is healing people. Jesus is doing cre- uh, amazing things in the world. And Peter, I believe, is taking watch, and he's seeing this. And so by the time we get to Matthew 14, he's ready to go. He's ready to activate his faith. And you see, I think the beautiful part about this story, as I mentioned before, is the context, the location. I'm a marketing major, and so one of the principles of marketing is location, 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 Right? And so location matters. Where does this story happen? The Sea of Galilee. Where the sea, where, the, where the story happened in Matthew 8? The Sea of Galilee. See, God often will bring us back to the same place that holds us captive with our fear to bring us to faith. God will often bring you to the same place where you have doubt and trauma and begin them, to redeem them for good. He begins to take the, what, what the enemy meant for evil and turn them for good. You see, the disciples in this story were terrified. They were going to die. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but this it's the ter- most, this is one thing you will remember. Your heart's racing. You don't know what to do. You're sweating, if you're me. You sweat. <laughs> and you don't know what's going to happen. And I wonder if the disciples recall that, that feeling from Matthew 8 when they experienced Matthew 14. We're in it again. We're in the storm. What's going to happen? Jesus save us, except Jesus isn't in the boat with them this time he's out on the water. He's walking towards them. And over the last two years, God has been stretching me in every way possible, but particularly with my faith, particularly in this area. And and, and this has happened over the last two years. In March 2020, Pastor Daniel preached a message uh, about when God says go, when God says go. And in that message, Kayla, my wife, received a word from God that was so impactful and so moving for her. And, and she began to tell me as we, as we left the church, normally our conversations as we leave is, hey, what's on the menu? What are we eating? What kind of tacos are we getting? Are we getting the water burger? I've waited all week for this. What are we doing? But instead, at this time, Kayla says to me, I feel like God's called me to step away from, from my job. I feel like God was telling me, it's time to take a step back. And in this conversation, I remember feeling confused. <laughs> wait a minute, what? Uh, I'm worried about what we're going to eat. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm hangry. What's going to happen? You want to walk away from your job. You feel like God's calling you to do this. And let me just say this. When God speaks to your wife, men, listen. Listen. Don't be hard-headed. Don't dismiss it. Don't feel like, ah, oh, he didn't tell me that because that was my initial thought. <laughs> was, he didn't tell me that. We doing good. We making money. Like, You got a master's degree. You do it. You're killing it. You step away from your job. And then COVID hits, right, March 2020. And then Jaden, our son, is born in May of 2020. And Kayla goes back to work from home at this time, and she's working from home. She's raising our son. Our son is there. Newborn stage as she goes back to work in August, and she's crushing it. She's having meetings on teams, and she's raising our son. She's feeding him in between meetings, and she's doing an amazing job. But throughout that time, she honored God's process. She honored God's um, uh, cycle, God's structure. We began to agree when, when we both would agree on when we would take this next step, we would take it. She began to say, when you feel comfortable with this, we'll take this step. But until then, we'll continue to work. We'll continue to do this. We'll continue to trust. And, and I began to see her shift from career-driven when I met her. That's where I got the hard eyes, a lot of that, along with ministry and amazing other things. But her drive career-wise was, was one of the things that stood out to me. And one of the things that shifted during this season as God dropped in that word was that, that love for career began to fall into a love for the kingdom. Began to fall into a love to want to raise our family and be there for our son and be there to raise him each and every day. And I remember, as we talked about this, childhood experiences began to begin to drip into my life, begin to, to remind them, they're like movies playing in my head, childhood experiences that turned into adult fears. Things like having our lights turned off when we were kids. I remember getting home from school and wanting to play my video games and wanting to dive into watching the TV. And, and then you click the light, and you're like, oh, shoot. And then you do it like two times. It doesn't work? You're like, yeah, this, is, this doesn't work. Dad, what's going on? I don't know, I don't know what's happening. Maybe it was, it was having water turned off at some points and us not being able to you know, be able to take a shower or be able to cook with water. These things didn't seem like a big deal to me when I was a kid because my parents did an incredible job of helping us rally around these moments. And we had an incredible family time. When the lights were off, we would grab the candles, all the bath and bodywork deals that my mom had saved, and we pulled them all out into the living room, so there was like 30 different smells. Our nostrils were cleared out overnight, but during these nights, we had conversations that I recall bringing us closer together as a family. I remember us laughing together and finding joy that we still had each other despite us not having lights. I remember when we didn't have water. I remember thinking in my head, "What can I do to help out my dad? What can I do? To, what can I do to help make sure this doesn't happen again? How can I help lift the load?" And I know my father felt these burdens during this time. And I know after talking with him this, them this week, my parents this week about these situations, one of the things my mom said was my, my dad always wanted us to see, hey, don't worry about it. We got you. He, despite challenges, despite, despite the storms, we're going to be here for you. And when you have your own family, that's what you're called to do. And the burden uh, that we're able to bear, you know, as providers, as men, that really hit me when she told me that this week. So when Kayla was telling me about leaving her job and stepping away and being a stay-at-home mom and building the kingdom, all these fears started to creep in. But then God, and God speaking directly through my wife, began to challenge me. Are you going to shift from that fear to having faith? Are you, be- you going to shift from that? See, my mind uh, was all about the money. I was an accounting major before I switched to marketing, so I could balance the books, and now I'm all about that. So my mind went immediately to the money. How are we going to make it? If we drop from two incomes to one, how are we going to make it? Am I, am I going to be able to do enough? Is my income going to be enough for our family? And the, and the thought and the fear of the, my, my family experiencing what I experienced crippled me. And this is where God began to move with me and God began to speak to me. And through this story, there's a couple of things that he spoke out to me. And the first thing is this. You have to move. You have to move. Peter had to move out of the boat to experience something that no other disciple, no other human being on earth have experienced. He had to move out of the boat. You see the transition from Matthew 8 to 14, we were talking about, he shifted from fear to faith. He shifted from, Lord, save me, we're going to die, to, Lord, is that you? It's not a big move, but it's big enough for Jesus to do something with. It's big enough to help him step out of the boat. Peter was willing to call out to God, even though he couldn't make it out in the water even though he couldn't make it out who it was in the water. And for me, what that happened is my childhood experiences and my fears began to shift to faith in what God could do if I were to activate it. What God would do if I were to take that step and we were to be in agreement for her to step away from her job. And what would God do? What could God do with that? God began to slowly change this in my heart. And over time, he began to push me that he's going to give me the grace for the journey. He's going to be with me each and every step that we take. He began to reach this out, pull this out of me. And this is the stretching that was uncomfortable because all of my flesh, all of my body wanted to just to say, we are gonna stay working. We need this money. We need these two jobs. We're trying to build a family. But God was pushing me to a new place. And then Pastor Daniel preached a message in April of 2021 last year. And it was part of the foundation series. Do you remember the foundation series? Incredible. And it was something that shifted in me And God spoke to me, and then we began to prepare for this season. We began to prepare for Kayla stepping away, because I heard from God at this point. Took a year, men. It may take a year for you to hear before your wife hears, but clear your mind, clear your stubbornness, clear your focus, and allow yourself to be on the same page, and allow yourself to hear from God. And so Kayla stepped away from working in August of 2021. We made that made that happen. We saved up money. We saved up expense money. We made sure that she could do this. And the second thing that Jesus called me to do after we made that decision was fix your eyes. Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. See, my eyes were so fixed on what happened to me in the past, on what what we experienced as a family. My eyes were so fixed on my fears of what if this happened to my family that my faith was at an all-time low. That my fear was crushing my faith. See, when when Peter, his eyes are fixed on Jesus, he's walking. There's a miracle that's happening. There's something that's taking place. But when he begins to take his, his eyes off, he begins to fall. Jesus will increase your faith if you look to him. If you look beyond what happened to you in your past, beyond your childhood experiences, beyond your doubt and your fear, God will begin to to fill you and begin to increase your faith when you look to the goodness of God and we look to the perfection of Jesus. See, Peter had it right when he was focused on him. He had it right because he took an active next step. He took an active step to get out of the boat. No other disciple did this. He was walking on water, the only person to ever do this. But the second he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. In this moment, his eyes, his heart, and his focus begin to shift from faith in Jesus in the storm to the storm around him. That was so comfortable to him. That was all of his experience, his business. In our lives, we're going to be so caught up in the natural that we miss the mark. We miss focusing on Jesus in the storm. We're so depressed that nothing we can do to seem us can get us out of that. We don't want to get out of bed. The next Netflix series is not going to fix it. The next show is not going to fix it. Calling your friend, FaceTiming people is not going to fix it. Calling out to Jesus, focusing your eyes on Jesus will fix it. When we don't know how a situation will work, we can see God's goodness. So for me, when the act of faith uh, for us, for Kayla stepping away from her job, the single income was the only thing I could focus on. Not Jesus to provide, right? I was stuck in the fear of what could happen instead of what Jesus could do. And there's victory in this story as we go back to the text. That Even when Peter fell, Peter didn't die. Peter didn't die. He could have. And here's the, here's the third thing that God showed me during this, during this step. Trust the process. Trust the process. There is fruit that you don't know is coming in your life when you trust the process. There were things that Peter did in his life that no other disciple did because he was active. And he trusted the process. You see, this was a moment for Peter. This wasn't his entire life. There were things that God had called him to do. There's things that God calls you to do that no other person has been gifted to do. There's gifts that God has put on the inside of you that no other person has. And it's only when we activate our faith that God can meet us there in the middle. And he proves this. And Peter. After Jesus has died, has resurrected, has gone to heaven, Peter begins to preach to the church in Acts chapter 2, and it's called the Day of Pentecost. Thousands of believers now saved. People filled with the Holy Spirit. He kicks off the entire movement that we are a part of today. Peter did this. And Jesus tells him, upon this rock, Peter, I will build My church. And this right here gave me a glimpse into God would do for me in our lives and me and Kayla's lives. This right here gave me a glimpse into that. That the fruit of our active faith would, would bring things that we never thought would be possible. And God has opened doors for us in this season that don't make sense, that don't make any sense. God has opened doors that only point to His favor, not our talent, not our experience, not our communication skills, only His favor. See, in September of 2021, I became a president of a marketing organization I've been a part of since I graduated college. They saw me as the next leader for this organization. In April of this year, I started a new job that actually replaced all of Kayla's income. And so now that she stepped away, that act of faith, that we don't have to worry about the double income anymore. God's provided a way. In this season, we've paid off $50,000 in debt since we've been married. In this season, we paid off her car, we paid off my car, we started saving money for a house, and God has just been so good, and I'm here to declare and believe that we're going to close on our house in the next couple of weeks that we've been working so hard at. God's just made a way. And I don't tell you that to, to, to brag about what God's doing, I tell you that to challenge you. That when we have active faith, God can do something with it. The difference between Peter and the rest of the disciples is that he had active faith. He kept moving. He didn't get it right all the time. He made a lot of mistakes. If you read your Bible, you will see. He denied Jesus when he goes to the cross. He, he runs away. He wasn't there with him like some of the other disciples were, but he was active. He wasn't on the sidelines. He was in the game. When Jesus was captured, he's the one beside Jesus that cuts off the Roman's ear. He was active. He wasn't standing by the side. He was ready to go. He was ready to move. Maybe it might have been always in the right direction, but he was ready to go. And so as we close today, I want to ask you to stand. As we close, I want, to, I want us to do something, and I want to ask you a few questions, and I want to see what God is doing in, our, in your faith, what God is doing in your life. Because here at Grace Avenue, this isn't just the Daniel, Pastor Daniel and Janelle show. This isn't just... Chris up here is saying every, whatever he needs to. This is a story about your life. So the, the Bible, as believers, we're called to be community. We're called to flip one another up. We're called to encourage one another. We're called to pray with one another. We're called to bear one another's burdens. And one of those things is if you have something, you need to make a step in active faith today. We want to allow you to do that. And so we're going to jump into a worship song here in a second that we just sang. We the thing that changed Peter's life was the one word from Jesus. The one word that say, hey, yeah, it's me, come. It changed everything for Peter. And I believe that he can change everything for you if you understand and receive and prepare for that one word from God. So God, we thank you for today. We we pray that we're ready to receive the one word you're ready to drop into our spirit. God, I pray that as we move into our faith, that we, that we activate it, God, that it's not just a standing still, faith forward in terms of dreams and, and hope, God, but we, we activate it with our actions that we activate it with our steps, God. And I pray today that there is gonna be some things unlocked in people, that there's gonna be some incredible testimonies that start today on May 1st of 2022, and because we're activating our faith. We're gonna step out of the boat. We're not gonna know step two, three, four, and five, but we know step one, and you're calling us to step forward to you in this season, God. So I pray today as we sing this song, that we're ready to go, and we're ready to receive this one word from you, God. Let's raise our hands. Let's worship. Let's give Jesus the praise that He deserves. Let's give God the glory that He deserves. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.